All right. Are you in Luke chapter 1? I gave you time to find it. Luke chapter 1. And it's my desire today to talk about something that is very familiar with all of us. And that's the Christmas story. I'll talk about it again next week. We'll worship together on Wednesday, Christmas Eve. We'll have a blessed time. This is one of my favorite times of year because there's a spirit of generosity in the air, spirit of giving, of people not so much focusing on themselves but on others. And as I look at the Christmas story, it's very romantic. It's very beautiful. Um, it's sweet. You know, I mean, who doesn't love baby Jesus lying in the manger and singing Silent Night and thinking of angels in the heavens? And I mean, it just touches our hearts, and it should. But I also never want to leave those stories in just a romantic, sweet, and beautiful place. I'm always trying to bring application. What, what can we get out of this? And so today, I hope you can get something out of a very familiar story for some. But for others, we're still learning. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We have some who are spiritually old, spiritually mature, and some who are just starting out. So stories that we have forgotten, you know, we, we, we've heard them so many times. There are others who are just learning them. So today, let me talk to you on the subject of pregnant by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Can I take a few moments and holler at you on the subject of pregnant by the Holy Ghost? And with a title like that, I better pray. Oh, Lord, speak to us. Thank you that you have recorded and preserved these stories in your holy word that we would not only learn, but also be edified to put these things into practice. Thank you for using everyday, ordinary people like Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Joseph, and shepherds. Because, Lord, it gives us hope because if you can use them, ah, you can use us. And you are using us in spite of us. For as we look at these wonderful people, above all, we want to see you. As the young ladies dance for us today, we want to see you. So help us with that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 1 pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Has the Lord ever given you an assignment that you didn't ask for? Has he ever called you to do something that you thought maybe he had the wrong number when he called you? Has he ever put an assignment on you that you didn't expect it, like you didn't see that coming, and you say, Lord, why me? That's what Moses did. Uh, truly, somebody else speaks better than me. I, st st I, st I stutter. Lord, me? Really? Jeremiah, Lord, I'm but a youth. And so there are times we get these assignments. We feel so unworthy to fulfill them. But I love what Wellington Boone said many, many years ago, and it's still so true, that God never, ever calls the qualified. Because if that's the case, none of us would be called. But he qualifies everyone that he calls. And he gives us the grace to do those things 
that he has called us to do. You see, Mary, oh, there's something, there's something, there's something about Mary. Mary never, ever asked to get pregnant. Mm -mm -mm. Mary was not expecting to be expecting. Mary was wanting to get married. Mm -hmm. But the Lord interrupted her plans and said, yeah, Mary, I know you're planning to get married, but I have an assignment for you that you didn't ask for. I, I have a calling on you that you did not expect, and that was the calling and the assignment to carry the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in her womb. So although Mary got pregnant by the Lord, Mary never asked to be pregnant by the Lord. She's thinking, I want to get married and one day get pregnant by Joseph. But the Lord said, hold up, wait a minute, that's coming later. But right now, I need a willing vessel. And as we'll see today, Mary accepted that assignment. And I pray that today we will accept what the Lord has for us as well. Look at verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. New King James Version. The Bible says, now, in the sixth month. What month is that? Well, earlier, the angel Gabriel went down south, and he spoke to Zacharias. And he told Zacharias, who was an older man, that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a child. Matter of fact, they would have a boy, and they were to call him John. And he would be the forerunner for the Messiah who was to come. And so she who had been barren and past the age of being able to deliver a child miraculously was able to have a child. She was able to conceive. So in the sixth month of her pregnancy, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, who we'll find out later is Mary's relative, the Bible says the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So this angel, who the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, they are ministering spirits sent forth to do the bidding of the Lord. And so this angel took the commands from God and said, yes, Lord. There was another angel who didn't want to say, yes, Lord, and the Lord had to deal with him. And, and his name is Lucifer, and he is defeated. It's always good to say, yes, Lord. And so Gabriel went from the south up north into Galilee. Now he's going to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So the Bible lets us know that she was a virgin, that she had not had sexual relations or intercourse with a man. Now, this word virgin in the Old Testament could also be translated as maiden, young maiden. But in the context, we also know that this not only speaks of a young maiden, but a young maiden who is sexually pure. Now, 700 or 800 years before Gabriel came to speak to Mary, the Lord had spoken to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, by saying, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, 
And we know from Matthew, Emmanuel is interpreted as God with us. And so it was prophesied hundreds of years before Christ came into the world by Mary's womb that he would be born, that a virgin would give birth to the Son of God, the Messiah. And so she is a virgin, and that's very, very important for us to know. Because as we know, or as we'll see in the text, the Holy Spirit would come upon Mary, this virgin, enabling her to get pregnant so that she could carry Christ full term that he may be born. Because for Christ to enter into the world to save humans who are sinners, he had to become a human yet without being a sinner. And so Joseph could not be involved in this transaction because it's through men by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Sin is passed upon all of us. So by removing the man out of the equation and God entering into the equation through the Holy Spirit, you have the Messiah able to be born of a virgin, thus being human, but not having Joseph as his earthly father. That's impossible because Jesus is eternal. And so he comes in as the sinless Lamb of God. He is 100% God, 100% man. It is a mystery. And so he's born without the aid of an earthly father. Mm, mm, mm. Good theology. And the Bible says that this virgin was betrothed or betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, next week we're going to talk about Joseph. He was no ordinary Joe. I got to let you know, he was no ordinary. He was a special man. He doesn't get a lot of juice. He doesn't get a lot of play. But we're going to talk about Joe next week, Lord willing. But the Bible says they were betrothed. What does that mean? Well, in that culture, many marriages were arranged. Uh, like my parents tried to arrange a marriage for me back in the day. Nice young lady, but she just wasn't for me. I thank God that he arranged for me to be with this lady right here. But my father did try to blackmail a brother and say, if I didn't go out with this girl from the church, I could not use the car. I said, well, Dad, I guess I'll be walking. I guess I'll be walking. But back in the day, man, there was a lot of arranged marriages. And the couples would come together, and they would become legally married, even though they did not physically live together and consummate the wedding, the marriage. This was a time of preparation, the betrothal period. Because once a couple got legally married in the tent of you know, one of the fathers, they would get married, or down in the square, they would get married. And this would be such a legal happening that it would take a divorce decree to be able to separate them, even though they had not yet consummated the marriage. And so they had been legally put together, and it was a time of preparation because many times what would happen, a Jewish groom would go away and prepare a place for his bride that he is legally married to, but one day he would leave that house that he prepared for her, for them, and he would go get her and then bring her back across the threshold into that house. Does it sound familiar? We are legally married to the Lord Jesus. We have been justified by grace through faith. That means we've been declared righteous as his sons and daughters. We are legally married. We are his bride, yet we have not consummated this relationship yet. Wow, we haven't seen him yet. We haven't lived with him yet in the physical. That's why he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. 
so that where I am, there you will be also. And he is coming back one day to get us. We are legally his, but in heaven it, there will be a consummation. And so all of these great images are here in the text. It says here that this virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, who no doubt took some form of a human appearance. You know, angels have various appearances in the Bible, but no doubt he probably looked like a human. And he comes in and he says to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. First thing he says is rejoice. In other words, have joy again. Now, it doesn't mean that she was necessarily sad. Because even if you're not sad, we always need a boost in the joy department. I got some joy, but man, I want to have joy again. But some of us are sad. And that's why we need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What's so powerful about joy? The joy of the Lord. It is my what? Strength. So when I'm not full of joy, I feel weak and I feel sapped. But when I have joy, which is not based on circumstances, but it's based on God who controls circumstances, there's an inner peace. There's an inner just rush inside that allows me to have this kind of joy, this emotion, even though things around me say, man, there's nothing to be happy about. So, Pharrell, I got to shut you down right now. I got to rejoice, man. Rejoice. And the angel says that, girl, have some joy. Why? Because you're highly favored. And if that don't make you have any joy that you're highly favored, that you're loved by God, I don't know what will give you some joy. And then he says, the Lord's with you, and you're blessed among women. Oh, I, I won't run and chase this too long, but he does not say she's blessed above women. Mary is not to be promoted above. Yes, we should honor her and thank God for her. She holds a unique place in our Christian experience. But we're not going to give Mary a kind of props that God doesn't give to her. This angel does not call her the mother of God. He does not pray to her. He does not bow down and worship her. He comes in and he tells it like it is. You are blessed among women because this woman Mary, although she was the vessel to bring in a sinless Christ, she still was tainted with sin herself. And that's why she said later in chapter 1, Thanks be to God, who is my Savior. Even Mary needed a Savior because Mary was a sinner. And so here's the first thing we need to see today is that when God impregnates you through the Holy Ghost, it's because of grace. Highly favored, favor, charis in the Greek language. It's the word Greek grace. She has grace. Why does she have grace? Why is Mary highly favored or, or highly graced? Why? Well, because God wants to show his grace to a sinner that desperately needs it. Mary was a sinner that needed grace, just like me. I'm a sinner that needs grace. I'm a saved sinner who still needs the grace of God, and I thank God he's no respecter of dispensing that grace to various people. And so he comes and he says, you are highly favored in verse uh, thirty. He says that you found favor with God. And the only way she found favor, speaking of the fact she was looking for it, is that favor found her first. 
Because had favor not found her first and gave her the desire to look for favor, she never would have found favor. Why do I say favor had to find her first? Because no one understands Romans chapter 3 and no one seeks after God. God has to seek after us and give us the desire to seek after him. Grace has to find us when we're dead in our trespasses and in our sins and make us alive in Christ. And so grace found her so that she could find grace. So she was ready that day. Mm, mm, mm. But then in verse 29, it says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Because I don't normally have men just roll up in my house like this. What is going on here? Verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Another thing, when you get pregnant by the Holy Ghost is we can't let fear abort what God is about to give us. God's about to give her something that is bigger than she is. And the Lord understands spiritual warfare. And one of the things that tries to stop us when God puts something in our soul is a spirit of fear that would make you say, don't do it, don't try it, don't attempt it. And so we shrink back because of fear. When God gives you an assignment, we say, I can't do it. No, you can't do it. He can do it through you. And that's why when it gets done, who gets the glory? Not you. He does. So that's why Gabriel has to say, fear not, because there will be some days coming where she's going to get afraid. But I heard someone say, I don't know if this is true, there are 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for each day. Fear not today. Fear not on Tuesday. Fear not on Wednesday. Fear not. Fear not. And I love how he calls her by name. Do not be afraid, Mary. And, you know, when I make this thing practical, I put my name where Mary's name is. Do not be afraid, Chris. So I want to encourage you, man, fill in the blank. Do not be afraid, David. Do not be afraid, Pastor D. Do not be afraid, Ebony. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Because fear cripples us and it robs us of our potential to serve the Lord. Don't let fear punk you. But then we also see in verse 31, the angel says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus the name Jesus means the Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. Yes, you are. He will be great. Anybody know he's great? Anybody know he's great? Anybody know he's great? And he will be called the son of the highest. Look at that unique place that Christ has. He has the supremacy above any and everything else. And then the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So in that verse, you see the eternality of Christ. Because as long as the Father has been the Father, the Son has been the Son. There was never a time where Christ had to become because he always was. He is eternal just like the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But there came a time when the Word became flesh. Because how can he be the son of David unless he become flesh and come through the line of the tribe of Judah to prove that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the God man. It's a mystery. Don't try to figure it all out. You'll blow a brain cell. The Bible goes on to say in verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come on, let the government be on your shoulder. 
The Democrats, Republicans, independents, T folks, we're not doing too well with it, but come on, Jesus, we need you, Lord. Dictators in this nation, uh, uh, cruel, uh, imperialistic leaders in other countries, Lord Jesus, come reign and rule, but until you come, we're going to be the salt and the light that you've called us to be. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? She's saying, I don't know a man intimately to have a child. So how can this be? And so here's another thing for those of you who, when the Lord impregnates you by the Holy Spirit, he knows you're going to have some questions. He knows you're going to have some questions. When he gives you that assignment, you're going to say, no, now, Lord, how are we going to pay for this when you tell me go back to school, when you tell me start a business? How we, Lord, how is this all going to work out? You see, there's one thing to ask God questions. But it's something else to question the Lord. So, so ask him questions, but don't you dare question him. Because that's what Zechariah did in the earlier portion of chapter 1. And the brother had his mouth shut literally for months until the Lord came through with his promise. That's a whole other sermon. Verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit. You want to know how it's going to happen? The Holy Spirit will come up on you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. For unto us, the how's it go, Doreen? Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us, the child is born, the Son is given. The child is born, but the Son is given because the Son is eternal. Verse 38. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. So when you get pregnant by the Holy Ghost, it's not only because of grace, and we can't let fear abort what he gives us. God knows we're going to have questions. But here's another thing. When you get pregnant by the Lord, at least one other person will understand what you're going through. Elizabeth's situation was a little different, but it was still similar to where Mary was. And so that's why Mary is going to go hang out at the crib with Elizabeth right up until she gives birth to John the Baptist. Because you need somebody that understands a little bit of what you're going through. Because most people will not comprehend or take the time to understand the calling that God put on your life when he impregnated you with the Holy Spirit. But there is somebody who can say, I understand, because he did something like that with me. And we find community in those places. Then verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So when God impregnates you with the Holy Ghost, it's the beginning of seeing God do the impossible. It's the beginning of seeing God do the miraculous. And Mary is about to go on a ride, the ride of her life. Because, yeah, being impregnated through the Holy Spirit is one thing, but she's about to watch her son turn water into wine. She, she's going to watch this young man grow up and raise the dead and heal the sick. She's about to see God do the impossible over and over and over again. And once God gets you on this ride where you got to trust him and watch him part the Red Sea, you'll see him be faithful time and time again. Because what he calls you to do, he's going to do it. And he's going to rise up and show himself strong on your behalf that you may glorify him. Oh, my. Verse 38, then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, 
Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In other words, she said, yes, Lord, I, I accept this assignment. So when the Holy Spirit allows you to get pregnant, our response to this unique assignment should be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because faithful are you who calls, who will also do it. Yes, Lord, he who began the good work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, I accept it. Even though I don't understand it, I've never seen it done before. Yes, Lord. Because Mary would find out that when you say yes, Lord, a test is going to come. So just because we say yes, that doesn't mean we won't have a test. But because you did say yes, there will be a test. And that test will be so rough sometime where it'll make you say, Lord, what was I thinking when I said yes? But the test will remind you that he's got to get you through it. You can't do this. I can't do this. I know I heard from God to start a church. And then when the Lord said, okay, not only want you to start a church, but start a multiracial church and be intentional about it. There have been times it hasn't always been so romantic. There have been times it's like, Lord, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to pastor a multiracial congregation. I catch it from both sides. I catch it from, Lord, I'm tired. And he's like, uh-huh, but I called you, and you got to go. Why? Because if you abort what God has given you, it's going to affect other people. It's not going to impact other people the way he wants it. But the enemy wants you to stop what God has said start. And you can't stop until the Lord says, you finish your race. Don't you abort it. All right, Pastor Chris, that, that all sounds good, man. Uh-huh. Pregnant by the Holy Ghost, uh-huh, because of grace. Don't let fear abort it. Uh, God knows you're going to have questions. At least one other person is going to understand what you're going through, like Elizabeth for Mary. Uh, it is the beginning of seeing him do the impossible, and we should say, yes, Lord. But what do I do with this? Because even though Mary said yes, she had a lot of risks that were coming. She had to risk ridicule in town when she started showing. <sighs> whispers, whispers. How's she pregnant and they don't even live together and consummate the marriage yet? Somebody's going to say self-righteously, let's stone her. Then she's risking her relationship with Joseph because she said yes to the Lord before she ever even talked to her man. Because she recognized that the Lord was her greater man and not this man that she is betrothed to. So God's yes would be stronger than Joseph's no. Because Joe, he didn't understand it when he heard this news. So let me understand this, baby. Um, we haven't yet come together yet. And you're telling me you're pregnant with the child from the Holy Ghost. Yeah, right. So we're going to get into him next week. Oh, we're going to have a good time with that. But she risked losing her man when she said yes to Jesus. But then she also risked bodily harm, as I mentioned, from being stoned. She also risked being inconvenienced because she was going to have to travel from Galilee, Nazareth, into Judea and Bethlehem to give birth to this baby prophetically from Micah chapter 5. Seventy miles riding on a donkey. That, 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 that is a, woo. But she would also risk her own personal pain in this calling 
because she was prophesied to in the temple that this son that she's going to give birth to, he's going to bless many, but a sword is going to pierce your own soul. So just because God gives you something, it doesn't mean that you won't be hurt while you're delivered. Because what was coming through her was going to bless the world, but she would also pay a price for it. So what God wants to do through you, because guess what? Somebody asked the question, does God still impregnate people today by the Holy Ghost? Does he still do that? The answer is yes and no. Nobody's going to be impregnated by the Holy Ghost like Mary was. There ain't going to be no other messiahs rolling around here. But the same spirit that moved on her moves on God's children. Can I show you real quick? I want to encourage you because there are things in you that God has put in you that it's time for them to come out. It's time for them to come out. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you got to love Jesus. When he said to the disciples before he ascended, he said, but you shall receive power when who? The Holy Ghost comes upon you. Under the old covenant, he didn't come on everybody, only on kings and priests and prophets and judges. And even his coming was temporary and it was conditional. But under the new covenant, which he inaugurated by his blood, he said, man, the Holy Spirit, power, dunamis, dynamite is coming upon you, is coming upon you. Lord, who's it coming upon? Chapter 2, verse 17. Put it up there for me. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit only on Mary, uh-uh, only on prophets, uh-uh, only on priests, uh-uh, only on the Israelites, uh-uh, on all flesh, only on men, uh-uh, only on adults, uh-uh. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. In other words, the Holy Ghost is going to give you stuff you can never get on your own. He's going to give you thoughts, dreams, desires, words that you could never concoct in and of yourself. He's going to give you ideas and plans and goals and dreams and visions. He's going to birth some stuff in you. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. And on my men servants and on my maid servants. So God is not just going to bless the rich, the kings, and those with noble royalty. He's coming on men servants, and that's just what Mary said. She said, "Your maid servant is here, and I accept this responsibility." And the Lord says, "I will pour out my spirit in those days, and something's going to happen. <laughs> They're going to talk. They're going to prophesy. They're going to say some things about the future. They're going to say some things that's going to honor and glorify me." So he impregnates us through the Holy Spirit with ideas for schooling and businesses and churches and ministries and parenting. He, he, he impregnates us with ideas. I like how Pastor Darrell says it. He'll download stuff into you. And you say, where did that come from? It came from the Lord. He'll take your natural talents that he gave you. And he will multiply them through the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And it's just not to be used to pad your pockets, but it's going to be used to build the kingdom and honor and glorify his name. So Strong Tower, how far along are you? Are you six months? Are you two months? 
you got to be pregnant if you know the Lord. He's, he's got to be doing something in you so he can do something through you. Because his spirit didn't just come up on you just so you can go to heaven. Yes, that's one aspect. We're sealed with the spirit until the day of redemption. He guarantees our inheritance in heaven. But he gave you power to be a witness, to see things that other folk can't see, answers to issues in the world. He gives you prophecies, sermons, books, songs. He's putting something in you. So in conclusion, you must believe that God has or will impregnate you through the Holy Spirit with something that will change your life and the world. Yes, you, little old you, insignificant you, you who messed up. Yes, you, me. Because he works with vessels that don't have much to offer. And he blows through them by the Holy Spirit so that what comes out of that instrument causes people not to look at the instrument, but to look at the one who did the blowing on the instrument to say, look how great God is that he used a Mary like you. And when folk try to worship you and all that, say, uh-uh, no, 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 it's not me. It is him working in me and in spite of me. Paul said in Galatians 4.19, he said to that church, he says, I want to see Christ formed in you. Strong Tower, may Christ be formed in each and every one of us. Growing in us so that when he comes through us, so the world will get a word. The church will get a word. They'll get a vision, a dream, an idea, a concept. The people will have to say, that came from God. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Commune with him. And sometimes communing with him is just sitting still and listening. It's worshiping and it's listening. And watch him begin to impregnate your soul with things to do with your family and your finances, and you download it. And it will not only impact those around you, but it will impact you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. I, I am a witness. Any good thing in my life that's happened has be, been because you have so ordained it. You've called me and my family to do things that we never thought we could do or would do. But because we didn't let fear abort, what you called, we saw you give birth to some great things. And, Lord, the Williamson family know you're not even finished yet. You've got more things that you're going to do. I, I pray for visions. I pray for words of prophecy. I pray for dreams. I pray, Lord, that you, I thank you for Charles Robinson, how you speak to him in dreams. I thank you, Lord, for our older saints in this church who have so much wisdom. They're pregnant with wisdom. And when they speak to us, we hear your voice. Anna was there for Mary and Joseph. And Artie is here for us. And so many of our other saints are there to speak a word into us. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. May the things you put in us come through us. 
that the world may see Jesus.